I'll just open in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for for your provision and your protection over us in the eye of the storm, wherever we might find ourselves, Lord. You are there. You are a you are a rock to our salvation. You are a, a comfort to our soul. You are our peace to our spirit, Lord. So we just rest in you this morning. We thank you for the words that have been prepared and the thoughts that have been just conceived in my mind and my heart, Lord. Let us pray you just release those things in your will. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want to thank the worship team for, for those, those songs of praise and worship, for the, not only the songs, but also the words and the thoughts that those songs convey. To me, it's really a humbleness of before an awesome God is the theme that I took from that. And that's really the message that I want to share with you this morning, the thoughts that I come from. In the preparation of this, this topic, Growing in Wisdom and Discipline, the Portrait of the Wise I Struggled With. Um, and it was one that um, God took me a number of different directions before it sort of led me to where He wants me to be. And in that, I went through a series of challenges and a series of things that God challenged me with. And so that's really become the theme of the message, is what God's challenged me to. And the things that God's challenged me to are things that resonate with you as well. We'll praise the God together in that. And so we just thank you for what, what He's doing in our hearts. Portrait or picture, growing in wisdom and discipline. The appearance of the wise, how we distinguish or how we'd recognize the wise. What is wisdom anyway? Well, if we look to Wikipedia, they have an opinion about just about anything, including wisdom and discipline, and Wikipedia describes wisdom in such a way. It's the ability to think or to act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. And discipline is the suppression of base desires, and is usually understood to be synonymous with restraint and control. So those are things that are not surprising as far as these definitions goes. The Bible has, of course, a different view of wisdom. Um, it describes at least the beginning of wisdom to be the fear of the Lord. And that fear is really meant to be more so about a reverence and coming to God in respect. And so, Wikipedia takes the view that is more me-centered in terms of wisdom and discipline. And the Bible takes a view that is more God-centered. This leads to the question, why should I desire to be disciplined and to be wise? Perhaps a better question on that thought is, do I desire to live and to be God-centered or me-centered? You realize what the fool's position is without getting ahead of Steve, but the fool's position is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He simply says, there is no God. And the fool, to me, avoids the 
confrontation or coming to God. Just simply avoids it and says, He doesn't exist. I don't want to deal with that. I'll just defer it. And so, the fool, in his avoidance, defers God and all that God can offer him. Wisdom. Do I desire to grow? And that's a real question, and that's a big question. Let's go back to an earlier message that I shared around New Year's. And we discussed this statement. God desires us to grow and mature in our Christian life. Yes, that's true from God's perspective. The following verses illustrate that. In Ephesians 4 and 14 to 15, it says, We are not meant to remain as children, but to grow up in every way in Christ. And Colossians 4.12 says, that you may become mature Christians, that you may fulfill God's will for you. So we discover that God has a personal and a design specifically will for our lives. And that it's God's will that we should discover this. So that we can reasonably conclude it's not only a sign of good spiritual health to grow and to mature, but it's more importantly, it's God's will for us that we should do so. As mentioned previously as well, it would be extremely tragic at the end of our life, or even at the end of this year, when we reflect back, and if Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 was the reality for us that says you've been Christians a long time and you ought to be teaching others. But you need someone to teach you and gain the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. You are babies drinking only milk and cannot digest solid food. Sad. Yes, very sad commentary, yet totally avoidable. What is amazing is that God has given each of us a choice to grow or develop or else remain immature. The teaching of 1 Kings reinforces this principle. We've been reading through it and it is amazing to discover that in Israel and Judah there is a few good kings. And there is a long list of terrible kings. And the statement keeps on getting repeated. And this king did worse things than the previous king did. And you think, oh, you know. The choices of their lives reaped benefits, like in the case of King Asa. And terrible consequences in the case of King Ahab. It's not as important to memorize every king and know all the specifics about history and where they, they came in order and what kingdom they represented, although that is important, as is much to learn the overriding, timeless lessons that God is teaching. So with this, it raises an important question. 
not why, but how can we progress in our Christian life? In the case of today's message, how can we grow in wisdom and in discipline? I'd like to look at a text in Proverbs, chapter 2 and verse 1 to 6. And I'll read that for you. I'm reading from the International Version. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turn in your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. One of the first things as I read this that, that I observed from this passage is the realization that wisdom and discipline are connected and dependent upon each other. You cannot have one without the other. It's like 1 Kings chapter 4 when Solomon, when he asked God for the, his prayer and God gave him wisdom and very great insight. They belong together. They fit together. Wisdom and great insight. Understanding the context of what actually is happening is insight. Acting effectively upon that insight is wisdom. For example, Joshua, he demonstrated this principle. He learned by observing Moses. And Moses had so many challenges in his life, the things he learned, he did some things so well and some things he just blundered. And all the while Joshua was observing and watching and learning and gaining incredible insight till then God said to Joshua, you lead the people across the Jordan and you lead them into the new land. At that point, he exercised wisdom from the previous insight that he'd gained. This brings us back to what is the purpose of wisdom. Proverbs 1-2 says, It's for attaining wisdom and discipline and understanding words of insight. And so to paint the portrait of wisdom We'll start with this thought. The ultimate motivation for wisdom and insight is seeking God. Is seeking and finding and discovering God. Who He is and who He is to us. Everything we do, we are first motivated by someone or something. Otherwise, it's pointless. I could walk across the stage stand in front of this guitar and if I didn't pick it up and start playing it, it'd be pointless. 
The temptation's there, but I won't do that. <laughs> it's not my guitar. But to do something that is not motivated by something is absolutely pointless. Consider this picture. That person is just not motivated. What picture comes to your mind from that statement? What do you see? Perhaps people who are removed. They're uninterested, bored, unengaged. Motionless, perhaps. Now picture the statement, that person is really motivated, switched on. We can almost reverse the adjectives. Engaged, observant, active, and perhaps even persistent. And so seeking God is a motivational decision that is stated earlier, is based upon choice. Choice that we make. But as in all relationships, to grow and to develop requires discipline, as well as ongoing demonstration. And that's the action part that proves a commitment and love. This becomes obvious by our choices that we make for and on behalf of the other person. Often person putting the other person ahead of ourselves because we love them. In the same way God desires us to seek and to love Him and to demonstrate our love for Him by pleasing Him with simply the choices that we make. So, this key, to grow in wisdom and discipline is the choices and demonstrated actions that we take. Verse 1 says, My son, if you accept and store up my commandments. We find in the first six or so chapters of, of Proverbs that wisdom is personified in reference to the female gender. A wise woman. Proverbs number, chapter 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom calls aloud in the streets. She raises her voice in the public squares. I can picture a mother speaking to her son, saying, Now listen to what I say. This is very important. Are you listening? Do you hear me? Not audibly, but mentally. Do you hear me? Yeah? Some may say that's not speaking to our son. That's speaking to someone a little bit more familiar, perhaps. But in this case, it's the son. The mother is making a familiar, conditional statement, saying, now this is what I want you to do. Fill in the blanks. If you're good and listen to what I say, then I will do this. Fill in the blanks. We have all been there, I suspect. Our mother's telling us, this is what I want you to do. 
And if you do it, this is what is going to happen. At the same time, if you don't listen, I will not do this. I will, in fact, do that. And you might think, hmm, okay. That might motivate you to listen. Listening is the beginning of obedience. Obedience demonstrates godly wisdom. Listening is the beginning of obedience. Obedience demonstrates godly wisdom. The Bible is full of conditional statements that God makes to us in ways of conditional promises. Consider Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Or something more close and more personal to us. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you are in Christ, then you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But we realize, though, if you are not in Christ, if you have not repented and surrendered yourself, you have not called out to Jesus for forgiveness of sin and received Him as your Lord and Savior, you are not in Christ. In fact, old things have not passed away. You remain in old things. And one of those old things is your sin. But, God says based on his scriptures, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Praise God for that. And there are many, many, many more examples of if statements in the Bible where God has made promises to us that are conditional. Conditional upon our response to him. Someday God will evaluate our listening, our obedience, and our sense of wisdom. And he'll do it justly. And he'll respond in basically two different ways. He'll say favorably, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've listened. You've obeyed. You've followed wisdom. Or unfavorably, he may say, You did not listen. You remain stubborn in your ways. And you read about Israel and you read about the, the kings and you read about these things in the Old Testament and that is the lesson that seems to float to the surface. People did not listen and they wanted to go back to stubborn ways and God brought upon them some form of punishment to motivate them to come back. And it did for a time and they seemed to sink back in the mire only to be reinforced to come back. Seeking God. The first portrait of the wise. And the second portrait, wisdom comes in two ways. It's a gift from God, and it's also the result of energetic search. The theme of verses 1 through 5 tells us these things. It says, Store up my commandments. Turn your ear to wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. Call out. Cry aloud. Look for it. 
Search for it. Verse 5, then. Expect the struggle. Welcome difficulty. Know that setbacks and frustrations will be constant. And understand they are not an indication of failure, but necessity for growth. Those things are not failures. They're actually indications of growth. Attaining wisdom is not an end point, but a day-to-day journey. Of course, that statement sounds very cliché. Wisdom is not an end point, but a day-to-day journey. I can see a motivational picture, you know, with that written across the bottom. But it's true. It's way too easy to think, one day I will be wise. So with that, let's rush to the end of the book. Some people don't like to read to the hardships and all this stuff. They want to get to the end. So let's read the end to see how this all turns out. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is the result of a long pregnancy and going through the labor processes of verses 1 to 4 to give birth to God's wisdom and knowledge and understanding, but obtained along the path and throughout the journey of verses 1 to 4. Of course, this is not a function of thinking that somehow I am wise And in many ways along the journey struggling, I'm thinking the opposite. I'm not wise because of the struggles and the things that I'm going through. Therefore, wisdom is not a gift from God or the result of energetic search. Not either or, but both. Both at the same time. which leads to this key. God continually releases His gift of wisdom through His promises on the condition of energetic search and seeking God. Let's have a closer look at this process of verses 1 to 4. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Verse 2, our source of wisdom. James says in verse 1, verse 5, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously, revealed by the Word of God. It's not enough to accept, or not enough just to read the Word of God. God is calling us to receive His Word and accept what He says. Accepting His teaching. This implies there is a decision process that's happening. The first critical step in gaining wisdom is to intentionally turn our ear to wisdom, to Jesus, to His teaching. And as we turn our ear to Him, we turn our back on self. We turn our back on our knowledge, our pride, our puffed-up ego, 
our worldly things that we've gained, we turn our back on that, and it's like repentance of sin. We turn to God and we turn our back on sin. We turn to God for wisdom and we turn our back on self. And as we do that, God begins to release wisdom to us. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 3, If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. I don't know how many people here have actually been lost. You ever had a time that you're lost? Perhaps that was in the bush. Perhaps that was on a road to who knows where. Perhaps that was in the Arctic on a snowmobile where every lake and everything looks the same. Perhaps for some guys that was in a shopping mall. (laughs) But you are lost and you have no clue where to go. You start by thinking of things of how I can get myself out of this. You think, I think I know where to go. I think this is north. I think this is the way out. And you start going there. And at some point, you come to the conclusion, you haven't got a clue. You now are more lost than where you were before. And at that point, what do you do? If you are truly lost, if you're in the bush sitting there and looking around, and all you see is trees, you don't know where you are, it's getting darker, you call out and you cry aloud. And you call out to God and say, help me. The situation has become desperate. And I think God in his wisdom puts that early on in the process where we start to empty ourselves of knowledge And if we truly want to find wisdom, we've actually thrown that off and thought, that only gets me more lost than where I was before. Now I'm prepared to listen and hear what God has to say. Verse 4, And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. I started my career after I graduated from mine school in cobalt, working underground. Um, And it's a silver mine. And I'd never done underground before. I didn't have a clue. And so, going to a silver mine, you expect, you just go down there like one of the dwarfs and start digging up silver. (laughs) But you realize, in a very short period of time, there is an inordinate amount of work and development and time and money and resources that gets put into developing into an area, developing up into an area, perhaps diamond drilling it, getting it ready to, to explore, getting it ready to mine. And there's no guarantee there's going to be silver there. You'll mine through an area, in that case you're mine through a calcite vein, and the geologist would be in every second day with his microscope looking in the face to see if he could see any silver. And he'd be happy to see indicator metals like arsenopyrite or arsenic or those things that indicated that silver was near. And so I learned that silver was rare. 
and it was easily missed unless you had an eye for detail. And God's teaching us wisdom is like that. It's rare. It's something of immense value, and you have to pay attention to it. You can easily walk past it. It could be in the face, looking at you, a big gob of silver right there, and you're looking everywhere else. And what do you do? You miss it. But if you find it, you realize that that leads to more. And if you stay on that path, who knows what that may open up for you. And so, we empty ourselves of self, and then we discover there is a fair amount of work involved as we search for it, and we discover it as hidden treasure. And then, and only then, in verse 5, do we come to the point where God wants to show us. You understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge in God. So, in conclusion, let's characterize this portrait of the wise, portrait of the wisdom. It's not complicated. Perhaps in my limited intellect and little noodle-sized brain, I've simplified it. It's not my way, it's God's way that enables us to grow and develop wisdom and discipline. It's God's way. So the portrait of wisdom, understanding the ultimate motivation for wisdom is seeking God and finding God. Perhaps on your own terms of who God is for you personally. And the second thing is discovering that it is a gift from God. And it's also the result of energetic search. But it's not a gift alone. It's released to us as we pursue Him. And as we pursue Him, we discover more of who God is. And in that search, God releases Himself to us. So with that, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Um, we have one more hymn of worship to, to sing, and I'll close in prayer. Let us just close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the, the time you've given to us here today. We thank you for the worship, the praise, just the encouragement we've enjoyed from each other. And may, as we leave today, may the theme that we'll worship your holy name, may that resonate through the week. Maybe just take that out the door and in our heart and our spirit, Lord, as we encounter other people and we encounter just the activities of the week, that we may continue just to worship you, Lord, and just to praise and to adore and to appreciate, Lord Jesus, who you are and how much we value you. So thank you once again for drawing us here this morning, for, for bringing us to this place. And we just ask you to allow us to part with your blessing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.